It's not a product, it's a technology. It's an education challenge. A regenerative suspension? There will be a growing demand for industrial photovoltaics. Innovation in the financing space. The high-speed train is in all our interests. All political lines. Australia is a solar paradise. The market is moving much faster than that. You've got something that's transformational. Solar window in a can. Beyond Zero. Global warming science, solutions and action. Taking it to a do-it-yourself level. Hello and welcome to another edition of the Beyond Zero show. Recorded in the studios of 3CR Melbourne, syndicated around Australia on the Community Radio Network and podcast on the internet at bze.org.au and 3cr.org.au. You can also follow us on Twitter at BZE Tech Show. My name is Kay Winnigal and I'm joined today by Natalie Bucknell and Michael Steindl. Hello Kay. Hi Kay, hi listeners. So, what does salt water and the synchrotron have to do with rechargeable batteries? Joining us today on the show to connect the dots for us is Dr Neeraj Sharma from the Chemistry Department in the University of New South Wales. He and his team are working to revolutionise how we obtain and store energy. He'll explain the research that will lead to batteries that will give us more power and better performance at a lower environmental cost. Neeraj, welcome to our show. Hello. Oh, there you are, Neeraj. Hello. Good to have you on the show. So, Neeraj, it sounds a really fascinating area that you're involved in. Can you give us a bit of an overview of the existing rechargeable battery technology? Sure. So, uh, a lot of people would have uh, a lithium-ion battery either than their laptops or their phones, um, even power tools nowadays as well. And uh, I guess the predecessor for this would have been a nickel-cadmium or nickel-metal hydride battery that you might still find in your electric toothbrush and things like this. So the way a lithium-ion battery works, which is sort of the highest energy density battery that you can commercially buy at the moment, is uh, you, you have two electrodes, an anode and a cathode, and lithium ions, which is uh, an element in the periodic table, one of the lightest elements in the periodic table of elements, essentially goes from the cathode to the anode, so it take, comes out of the cathode uh, structure, travels across the electrolyte, goes to the anode, and this generates electricity, or it, um, or, and the reverse can use, be used to power the battery. So basically, the lithium ion goes from one side to the other, the cathode to the anode, and then back from anode to cathode, depending on whether you're charging or discharging the battery. So it, it's a reversible reaction, and the power lies in essentially how many lithium ions you can get to move from one side to the other, and how much you can do it sort of in a, in a reversal manner. So how much you can do it backwards and forwards, backwards and forwards, backwards and forwards. Uh-huh. Um, and that generates your energy um, and you feed power in to basically uh, recharge it to go the reverse way. Um, and there's a number of reactions that are occurring at the atomic scale, at the macro scale, and then sort of, you know, building up a device or say uh, a mobile phone might have one lithium-ion battery in it, um, I should say cell, and uh, something like an electric vehicle, for example, a Tesla, will have thousands of um, batteries in that. Ah, uh-huh, yes, and other electric vehicles. <laughs> yes, exactly. Sorry. <laughs> no, everybody knows a Tesla. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, and so what are the disadvantages and advantages of the current technologies? I guess um, there are a few. Uh, the idea, the quest is for more energy storage. So you, we're generating so much power, we're needing so much power, we need to store as much as we possibly can. And so people are developing ways on of making better batteries that can store more energy, that can 
discharge faster, they can charge faster. So if you've got an electric vehicle, you want to go to a, a charging station and it has to sort of charge in five minutes, something similar to petroleum cars. That's not so trivial at the moment in time because what that does is it basically reduces the lifetime of the battery. The other thing is how much lithium is there around the world, right? So uh, it's, it's sort of a, I'm not, it's the elephant in the room, but whether it's a big elephant or a small elephant is still um, yet to be determined. Um, so a lot of the reserves in uh, lithium reserves are in, uh, in South America. There's some in Australia and in the U and Canada, but. Uh, you know, how much do we have of it and how uh, sort of recyclable is, it is is also a question. And, um, you know, with lead-acid lead batteries, we can actually recycle quite a lead, lot of the lead that we use in that. These are the starter, in, the starter batteries for your cars. Uh, people are now working towards trying to recycle the, metal, the lithium in lithium-ion batteries. And if that sort of gets up and going, then it's less of a problem. So uh, is it, is it so, a difficult process to recycle lithium? Uh, to the best of my knowledge, it's yeah, it's, it's a bit more complicated than recycling lead, um, basically because of the way the battery is designed. Um, lithium is not in... So if in a lead-acid battery, you have lead oxide electrodes um, and lead electrodes, whereas in a lithium-ion battery, the lithium is typically locked up in a, uh, an oxide, so a lithium cobalt oxide or a lithium uh, manganese oxide or something like this, a lithium-ion phosphate, so it's... It, you have multiple components in there, and so you have to take it all out. Um, and so it's not as trivial, or not as trivial, not as straightforward as a, as a lead acid system. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and lithium is more expensive too, I believe. It is. Yeah. Um, it also uses uh, uh, one of the things is you have the lithium, but the other components in the battery. So I, I mentioned lithium cobalt oxide. Cobalt is toxic, right? Um, you, you typically use things that carry away the current. There's copper and the uh, copper resources are also. I don't know, uh, there's no new copper discoveries for a long time now. So there's all these other components that actually might make uh, lithium might not be any problem. It might be other, these other components that could be an issue. Yeah, sort of ten years, twenty years down the line. Dr. Sharma Michael here. I, I believe you have two um, principal lines of research. One is more at the macro level of the types of materials that are used in batteries. Mm -hmm. and the other more at the physics, chemistry, atomic level of, of what's actually happening at that level and how you make each of these materials perform better. Yep. Can you tell us about those two lines? Sure. So the, uh, I guess uh, we have sort of, uh, two aspects in our research group. One's more applied and one's more fundamental. Um, for the applied side, which I think is very pertinent to this program, uh, we, are doing, we, we, are, we are a materials research group, so we try to make new materials that we can implement into batteries. And if you look at the, a lot of literature, how do you make new materials? A lot of it is a trial and error or empirical approach. And so we first sort of got into this area and we thought, you know, we'd really like to know what's happening inside the battery. We'd really like to know how the lithium ions come out of one electrode and go into the other electrode. And so what we've been doing is essentially using uh, something called neutron scattering at um, ANSPOS, the Australian Nuclear Science and Technology Organization, to essentially put a full device, a full lithium-ion battery, on an instrument to see the anode and the cathode change um, as we take lithium in and out. And that's uh, seeing it at the atomic scale. So you can see the, uh, the atoms move around or come in and out. And once you can do that, what we can then do is design new materials to replace the current materials where we sort of minimize something. So, for example, 
in the previous material that was commercially used, you found that you have an expansion of uh, uh, one of the so that the distances between atoms by 10%. What we can then do is we can say, okay, let's make a, a structure at the atomic level which only expands 5%, right? And then if you can do that and implement that into a device and test it all out, you have this almost immediately, you know, this, this reduction in the man expansion um, during one cycle. And, and that's quite powerful because when you think about it, if you've got a, a 5% reduction or, you know, a, a small change in um, the amount it expands, when you cycle this material millions of times, that sort of amplifies out quite, quite nicely. And so our approach has often been, let's understand what's happening at the current material, and then we make new materials to, 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 for a specific design uh, requirement. And so it, it, it's like atomic scale engineering, right? So we're actually trying to figure out what's, what's, what's happening, and then using our crystal uh, chemistry knowledge, build something or make something, I should say. We don't build, we make something <laughs> that, yeah. uh, that, that suits that, that purpose. Yeah. And well, so I... that's looking at the atomic scale and then you know, making it up, um, and then I guess the other approach is uh, we're sort of thinking, okay, lithium batteries, there's a lot of work done on that. Let's move on to other chemistries, other styles of batteries. So we're looking at sodium ion batteries, potassium ion batteries. We're even looking at solar batteries, things that, you know, are sort of further down the line in terms of implementation, but um, rely on a similar sort of principle. What do you mean by solar batteries? Is that something like the organic method that's used in plants to store energy or what? Very similar to that, but it's sort of mixing that with uh, uh, a battery. So essentially, uh, what we've done is we've replaced. Uh, we've only got one electrode, right? So well, we we do actually have two electrodes, but the key electrode is we basically use light to insert, in this case, sodium into these electrodes, right? And mm-hmm. then when you turn the light off, the idea is the sodium doesn't come out, so it's stored. Mm-hmm. Um, and then you can actually take this battery wherever you want and then just plug in the circuit and it'll take the energy out and then you just shine a light on it again to recharge wow. it. That's so, amazing. I mean, this is, this is, this is, this is, I mean, we're not, we're not getting energy densities anywhere near lithium ion batteries. And, um, you know, my colleagues at Chemical Engineering and I, we're, we're working towards this with just sort of, just scratched, scratched the surface of this technology. You heard in your article, one of your articles, getting back to the previous point, about the amount of energy and maintenance issues there are with thermal expansion. Mm-hmm. So getting back to trying to develop zero thermal expansion materials will save a lot of money and also save a lot of resources. Yes. So this is quite an interesting approach. So um, oh, so there's two, two differences here. So the expansion and contraction I was talking about earlier was when you take lithium out of materials and put them back in, right? Um, and that you want to sort of minimise at the atomic scale. Oh, so that wasn't a thermal effect you were talking no, about? No, that wasn't a thermal effect, but we are also working on materials. Uh, so the fundamental part of this, it's not a thermal effect, that one. The fundamental approach of our sort of chemistry is, at the moment, batteries are used to store energy and use energy. But why can't we use a battery to make new material? Um, and so if you imagine a battery has uh, a lithium ions or sodium ions or potassium ions going into electrodes. So what we've done is we've basically scrapped away the best-performing electrodes and put in materials that are exotic, very, very exotic, and we've basically put lithium in, sodium in, and and potassium in via battery into these materials. And these materials then can be used for other applications. So everything from 
magnetism, right? Things that show unconventional magnetism that you can use in, say, your laptops and things like this, all the way to so read heads, memory storage devices, all the way to things that don't expand as much. So as you heat them up, there's very little expansion, so zero thermal expansion. Um, and so this is an area that is very fundamental, but it flips the notion of using a battery to store energy to using a battery to make new material mm. for other applications. Yeah, it was actually a topic we had lined up at the end if we had time for it. Okay, and, um, No, no, our fault. We, we asked you about that expansion you were talking about, but um, just one line in, in your uh, work, in reading your background, really hit home to me. I'd never thought about it, how how fundamental thermal expansion is to the costs of, of maintenance of our engineering in our society. Everything, as you say, from turbines to um, solar state and how paint holds onto something. Um, mm-hmm. So okay. it is, if you can make zero expansion materials, um, it would be a huge boon to making a more efficient society in an engineering sense. Exactly, exactly. Sorry? Go ahead. Uh, Can we come back uh, to the the three components of batteries you're working on, and could you walk us through, um, you're you're working on the positive terminal, the negative terminal, and the electrolyte in between? That's correct, yes. If if you take us through those, yeah. So with the positive terminal... um, a lot of our work is on current lithium batteries and next generation sodium batteries. And um, if you if you if you sort of look at the, the 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 atomic scale structure of some of the materials that are being used, such as lithium cobalt oxide, it, they have a, a layered structure. So think about a, a, a skyscraper. You have all your different floors, right, mm-hmm. going in. And when you take the lithium, and the lithium is basically us people between the floors, right, and the the cobalt oxide is typically the layers separating the, the building of the floors. So when you take the lithium, so the people out of the building, what happens in, a, in, a, in an electrode is typically that, that layer squashes, right? So, and it squashes down or it expands up, um, and essentially it becomes unstable. So you can only take, say, 50% of that lithium out, and then the building collapses, right? Mm-hmm. So we've come up with an idea where you, you just sort of, rather than... Um, having just a lithium between the layers that hold the different floors up, why don't we just put some pillars in, right? So what we normally do in buildings, we have pillars that hold the two different floors up. Yep. And so we use a heavier element, uh, cesium, uh, lanthanum, things like this, and we basically put that between the layers to essentially scaffold the layers. And so when you take lithium in and out, the first thing it does is, well, we hope it will do, is uh, stop the expansion and contraction, so Mm -hmm. stop the layers from moving apart. And the second thing it does is it allows us to get a lot more lithium out. So the first part, stopping the expansion and contraction, increases the uh, lifetime of the battery. The ability to get more lithium out increases the amount of energy you can store in the battery. So we're trying to do, you know, one sort of solution by putting a different element in between the layers should hopefully help to performance parameters. So in spite, of, it, in spite of actually adding volume in terms of the scaffolding, you're actually making more use of the lithium that's there. Exactly, because at the moment we can only take sort of 50% of that lithium out. Can we increase that up to 80%? You know, so you really get a massive mm. increase in the amount you can get in and out. That's wonderful. Yeah, um, and that's one sort of aspect on the sort of positive electrode side, and we're doing this with sodium as well as potassium. Um, for the electrolyte, we're looking at rather than liquid electrolytes, which is what you find in and lithium-ion batteries in laptops and mobile phones, which in part are very, you know, part of the problems with phones, um, 
um, blowing up and sorry, sorry, mm-hmm. batteries, you know, um, fire and basically dying. Yeah, exactly. Because you've got a liquid component, it's flammable. You know, it can it can be quite quite dangerous. Um, we're moving to a solid state version of this, so it's completely solid. There's no liquid, and it um, you know it, it it works as efficiently. The problem there is. Um, you can imagine you've got a liquid, you can transport ions very fast in liquid mm-hmm. when you go to a solid because you've got everything sort of... Uh, you lose the mobility. Exactly, exactly. And so we're sort of working on ways on how do we actually improve the mobility. Um, temperature is a fantastic tool to use. If you can actually heat up batteries to 100 degrees Celsius, they're not, the solid-state batteries are not too bad, but you're using that energy to heat it up. So, you know, we have to sort of lower it down to be as competitive with um, liquid-based solutions. Um, and at the negative electrode, we're basically working... So lithium works really well. Lithium-ion batteries work really well with graphite. If you go to sodium-ion batteries, graphite isn't very good. And so we're looking at a whole range of different carbons to use in sodium-ion batteries. And often we're looking at um, how sodium or lithium or potassium interacts with this structure... Um, and then comes off. So it's, it's that's a lot more fundamental understanding the mechanism still because we haven't been able to develop a good mechanism that we're happy with, then we can start to tweak with the materials. This is the BZE Climate Solutions Show, and we're talking to Dr Niraj Sharma about his battery technology research. So, Niraj, you've spoken a bit about the mobility of electrons within solid state. What else about the electrodes are you looking at in terms of materials and, and what materials are most effective? So, we have a range of projects in, in that space. Um, I mean, the scaffolding is the, the, sort of the, the concept that we're sort of driving at the moment. Uh, the other thing that we're working towards is Looking at um, so if you if you, if you sort of move over to uh, sodium ion batteries or potassium ion batteries, um, these are the so lithium has the advantage that it's pretty small, right? And mm-hmm. so you can get a lot of lithium in and out. Sodium potassium are bigger, um, so if you take it in and out of uh, structures, you have a bigger chain. And so what we're trying to do is develop new sort of materials. Um, that will allow us to take more sodium and potassium out. And this is sort of moving away from uh, the layered structures uh, that I've been talking about earlier to more framework. So things that have uh, these three-dimensional pores and we can basically, uh, for atoms, and we can basically tailor that uh, pore to enhance conduction, stop conduction. Um, we have to sort of experimentally figure out what's the best uh, option in order to get as much potassium out with the minimal sort of change um, or potassium or sodium during these processes. And so there's a little bit of work uh, on in this sort of space with framework materials, trying to understand um, what's happening and then uh, just changing the sort of connections, the oxidation state, the elements that we use. And we have to be mindful a little bit about the elements we use, and that's really important because you want to be making materials which have elements which are non-toxic to start mm-hmm. off with and also Common. Uh, recyclable, um, also abundant, um, especially so, so if you move away from lithium batteries to sodium batteries, you've all, all of a sudden got an abundant resource of sodium, right? So you want to be using sodium with something that is as abundant, otherwise it defeats the purpose, in a sense, right? So rather than using 
uh, sodium with some exotic element. We want to use sodium with iron, with manganese, with um, you know nickel, things like that, which are really abundant in, in, in the world. And you talked about potassium as well. Um, yeah. Is that it would be either potassium or sodium? Is it? The jury is out on that at the moment. So when you look at the um, the sort of development of technology, sodium ion batteries. So I should point out, sort of in the 1970s, lithium and sodium ion batteries were being developed at the same time, but then lithium sort of won out. Um, and uh, now people are looking back at sodium because the chemistry is very similar. And, um, you know, we've got these resources, of lithium, limited resources of lithium, large-scale applications requiring more batteries need to be cheaper. Um, so sodium chemistry is, is, is probably the one that is... Um, I know that there's two or three commercial prototypes already being built. Um, uh, two of them use electrode materials that we've sort of worked with in our group, so it's quite exciting. Um, and, uh, yeah, and there's, you know, you, you can't buy it off the shelf yet, but people are sort of making up manufacturing lines for sodium batteries. Potassium batteries is probably another five to ten years down the line in terms of actually being able to buy it, but actually being actually ready for the commercial scale. Um the whole idea is that, you know, we're no longer restricted. Or, well, a lot of, we sort of got to the stage where we know lithium is a limited resource. We know there might be issues with it. Shall we, let's look at other sort of chemistries. Uh, there's a lot of work being done in anion batteries. So what I mean by that is lithium is a positive charge. There's a bit of work done on fluorine, which is a negative charge. Um, and you can transport that backwards and forwards. There are people who are looking at oxygen as well. Um, looking at how we can um, get in, in a battery, increase the capacity by using the oxygen in the framework, um, in, in the electrodes, and trying to get that information, that, that energy out. So it's a very active and dynamic and exciting field to be in at the moment in time. So, Niraj, what I'm hearing from you is that some of these new battery technologies may be available in a relatively short time, say in, in the time horizon of a year or two. Is that, is that the right message? Um, so I believe that in the sort of next five to ten years, one will have a choice of using either uh, a lithium battery for, say, say for example, um, and I think it's quite pertinent, um, you know, the, solar, the, the South Australian energy debate at the moment, uh, what sort of batteries you use for that. At the moment, lithium-ion batteries are sort of the, 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 um, the industry standard and, you know, a lot of companies out there are working towards Getting that, um, getting this technology to be implemented, um, but in a five to ten years' time, you might have the option to use sodium batteries or potassium batteries in the same sort of application. Sodium and potassium are probably not going to replace um, portable applications like mobile phones and um, laptop computers because they're just fundamentally heavier. But and when, I'd imagine they'd be bigger too, would they, in volume? I think heavier is the key. Uh-huh. The key parameter that people look at when when they're looking at portable um, applications that slightly bigger in volume possibly, um, but when you start thinking about large scale storage, so energy storage off off grid networks or even um, electric vehicles, you can now have a lot more space. Um, you might be able to actually use a, a, a some, you know if your energy storage you know is say one shipping container. It doesn't matter if you're in the middle of the desert or if you're in against a, a wind farm or a, a solar farm to have three shipping containers providing the same storage density. Mm-hmm. Um, as long as it's you know, three times cheaper, that's fine, right? Um, and so that's what 
people are sort of thinking about this. You'll have a mix of batteries for various applications. We already have that. So, you know, you have your alkaline batteries that you use for your for toys, kids' toys and things like this. Lithium batteries that we use for laptops, um, power tools and cadmium batteries, sorry, nickel metal hydride batteries or nickel cadmium batteries we use for toothbrushes, right? So there's already a battery mix out there and I think it's just going to expand in terms of what you can have. Um, and the types of lithium-ion batteries, the chemistries that are used are also, there's three or four chemistries that are commercially available as well. So three or four different batteries that are lithium-ion batteries with different cathodes and some with different anodes, right? So in a space, it's, you might find batteries that are designed for specific targets. Um, mm, one size already, doesn't fit already, all. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, that's already seen in lithium-ion batteries. So there's ones that are made for high capacity, so high storage density, mm. and there's ones that are made for fast charging and fast discharging, right? So Dr. you Shem, already we, see that within one chemistry. We've... Um, uh, we've only got about a minute and a half left, and we're getting texts saying how fascinating uh, this discussion is with you. We might have to have you back. Just very oh, no briefly, problem. could you fill us in on fuel cells? Uh, are they an utterly different technology? Uh, explain to our listeners how they work. Okay, so uh, a, a battery is sort of a closed system, right? Um, you can uh, It's all closed. It's all in one, one sort of device, um, and you basically connect it up and off you go. A fuel cell requires... Um, fuel to be input on one side at least, if not both sides, right? Mm -hmm. um, fuel on one side, um, air typically on the other side, or, uh, or uh, a gas. Or a water. Or water, yeah. Well, it, produce, it can produce water as well. So essentially, a the, the simplest explanation is you have um, a, a battery, a, sort of a standalone device that you connect up. A fuel cell, you need to have some fuel coming in, and um, it'll produce something on the other side. So okay. it's... It, You'll need some sort of tank or some sort of um, application on one, or some sort of gas on one side and gas on the other uh, to produce something. Yeah, that's terrific. Thanks so much, Neeraj. And that's we've just problem. run out of time now. Um, just for our listeners, we've been talking to Dr. Neeraj Sharma. Can you tell us, Neeraj, where our listeners can go to to find out more information about this? Sure. Um, um, thank you for having me on the show, by the way. Oh, um, our pleasure. Thank you so much. Um, and you can, there's a lot of sort of interesting websites out there. Um, you're more than welcome to look at my website, um, and there's some information in, in, in my website at UNSW. Uh, there's various, um, um, the Australian Energy Research Institute also has some um, information there. ARENA, which is just the, the photovoltaic part, is uh, some really nice um, UK websites as well that sort of bring back, bring together all the battery researchers and the technology. I can... Yeah, uh, put that onto the web, uh, onto the BZE website, if you wish. Yeah, um, that'd be great. That'd be perfect, and, then, and our listeners and can go to that. Yeah, listeners can go there, yeah. Terrific. Thanks again. Thanks again, Neeraj. My pleasure. The Beyond Zero show is brought to you by the Climate Change Solutions think tank, Beyond Zero Emissions, and is recorded in the studios of 3CR Melbourne and syndicated around Australia on the Community Radio Network. If you want to listen to this show or any of the others we've done, you can go to www.bze.org.au and click on podcasts. If you enjoy the program and would like to donate, just go to the BZE website and click on the donate button. Thanks for listening and hope to catch you again next week. You've been listening to a 3CR podcast produced in the studios of independent community radio station 3CR in Melbourne, Australia. For more information, go to allthews.3cr.org.au.